Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. For more information, visit us on our website, www.dbsalliance.org. We've been there. We can help. Welcome to this edition of DBSA's Real Recovery Podcast. Today's guest is actress, playwright, and mental health educator, Victoria Maxwell. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you. Glad to be here. Good. Let's start out by talking about your career. Can you give us a little bit of background and what exactly you do? Uh, well, uh, my background uh, and my training has been in acting. And uh, when I was around 25, I got hit by bipolar disorder, anxiety, and psychosis. And at that time, my career sort of took a nosedive. And as I got back into working, which took quite a, a long time, and went through vocational rehab, went through uh, several different kinds of jobs, uh, mainly um, just needing to get back into the workforce, so going into office jobs that gave me some stability and some predictability. Uh, right now, though, I've moved back into playwriting and acting, and I tour a solo show called Crazy for Life and a new one that just premiered called Funny Don't Look Crazy and give keynotes on sort of my experience and uh, recovery uh, strategies, things like that, around uh, North America. That's great. Is it So you always wanted to be an actor. That's something that you always... Yeah, yeah, whether it was in my best interest or not, I don't know, but um, yeah, I've always been interested in performing and writing, and uh, I think the industry itself is very, it can be quite uh, harsh, you need a really thick skin, which I don't think necessarily I have anyway, and uh, with a mood disorder, I think it made it uh, doubly hard because of the number of rejections that's just, just uh, part of the business. Uh, and so it was nice to eventually dovetail. I, I wasn't planning to go back into writing or acting at all, actually. Uh, I was quite content being, uh, I was working as a receptionist and marketing assistant and uh, was quite thrilled just to be working again, actually, because I really didn't have any clue if I could get back to work. Okay, so you actually have um, quite a, you've won quite a few awards, and we can definitely talk about those if you want to. Explain what successes you've met with after dealing with, you know, your diagnosis and then learning how to work afterwards. Right. Um, and it, when it, what it started with was when I was working at uh, this office, I was wanting to do something creative, so I started uh, writing snippets um, from just scenes from my own experience that I thought, one, I wanted to write about, two, I thought were interesting and slightly funny <laughs> in hindsight. And uh, then I read them at uh, what's called the Disability Arts Festival, and there was a couple uh, where I lived in Vancouver, Canada. And from there, it started to snowball, and so I was... Uh, doors just started opening, and I think uh, I think partially because we need as many stories as we can get around uh, recovery and mental illness, and it, regardless of uh, people's experience, there's such a, a need to hear the stories because it is so common, but it's not always often talked about. And, uh, and then, so as I started speaking about it and doing readings, I got invited to uh, speak at other conferences and festivals and uh, then applied uh, for a couple of awards. And uh, one was the Moondance Film Festival that uh, happens every year. 
and I was uh, honored by an award, a stage play award, and also in my hometown, Vancouver, uh, given an award to develop uh, the show further, which was, uh, for me, surprising, only because I hadn't intended it to be anything towards professional, and I guess I just thought it's my experience and didn't really realize that it would be um, as interesting to other people as as, I, as it turned out to be. Um, and uh, I, I'm thrilled. I'm very, very grateful. And uh, I think it also just speaks to the fact that we need as many stories as possible to dispel a lot of the misunderstandings of mental illness. Right. And that's definitely what you do a great job of doing that. And the way that you go about it is somewhat unique because you use humor in uh-huh. your way of doing that. And can you kind of explain how you use that to sort of lighten the mood and, you know, yeah. just talk frankly about about the illness? Yeah, well, I, and I think, um, I think humor has a way of uh, sort of relaxing people and making it safe for people to ask questions. And I think if I can laugh at myself, uh, it makes it easier for others to be curious and not be as afraid to start uh, dialogues about it. So I, and, and, it's, and it's only through sort of some time of healing. I, I mean, if I had tried to joke about it within the first few years of recovering, it, it would have been quite difficult for me. Um, but as I got better and more uh, healthy and uh, for longer periods of time, it was easier for me to have some distance and so I and, I, and I think also those of us that go through the hospital system, the mental health system, and all the, the ridiculous red tape, we've got to find some levity in it, because otherwise I think it could kill us. And so I joke a lot about the medication and the hospital experience and the doctors and the nurses, and, and also just a lot of the, the, the ways that I tried to attempt to help myself that weren't necessarily the most effective, shall we say, and um, and I think there is a lot of humor in it, um, because that also highlights the, uh, the pathos, and uh, I think once people start to listen with their hearts, as opposed to just the statistics, which I think statistics are important, because I think they can be uh, really illuminating as well, but when people start listening with their hearts, uh, it, it becomes personal, and people take action more quickly. And uh, so that's that's more what I try to do is from my own personal experience, and, it, and in no way is it meant to sort of diminish other people's uh, journeys and struggles. Uh, and the humor may not be for everyone, um, but for me, it's been one of my strategies for coping. Uh, I always know if I'm not laughing at myself, uh, if I've lost my sense of humor, it usually means I'm under too much stress and I should, I need to take a look at what I'm doing in my life to sort of write something because um, when my humor goes, that's usually one of the first things that go and it's a warning sign for me. So. Right, and that's what's wonderful about what you do is it's a way of, for you to help other people, but at the same time, you're helping yourself, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, oh, it is. Sure, and I people have asked me when they're thinking of writing their own material, um, some tips and things. And part of it for me was making sure that I didn't write it when I was still in the really acute stages of healing. Uh, there's some times when 
it just was too sensitive and too raw for me to at least put on stage for sure, even to write about. I mean, a lot of it was I needed to work through it in therapy and journaling and things. But as I got, um, when I started to feel more uh, strong and was able, and I was sort of back into sort of somewhat, somewhat of a routine, then I could start writing about it. And that, that's the gift that I think all of us that go through mental illness can give to each other is as we've gone through things and, and had victory over certain things, we can share those uh, strengths and those stories. Um, and I still have my down days and, and my up days, not quite as, as debilitating as they were, um, but I, I always take uh, I always take to heart when other people are sharing their stories because it, it gives me strength. So as when I when I'm going to a conference and I'm sharing my story, the most often the most important part for me is a question and answer period because that's when people are sharing their experiences and um, that's what gives me hope and inspiration and uh, and excites me. Uh, I see people dealing with things in different ways and people having sort of light bulb moments and I have my own light bulb moments and um, and so it's really quite uh, a really nice way to uh, make a living actually. That's great and that's how you became involved with DBSA right? I know that yeah. you were the, the uh, keynote speaker at our conferences in 2006 and yeah. can you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah it was a really wonderful experience. Um, it was my first time being involved as directly with BBSA and uh, I met some amazing people and also took in a lot of amazing breakout sessions as well. And um, So I was able to perform uh, Crazy for Life uh, at both of the conferences and also had a chance to see Randy Ravel who did the closing keynote who really was, did a great, uh, had some great stories as well and I think that's, I mean I think as humans we're just made up of stories and whether it's mental illness or cancer or a family death or a, you know a birth of a child, that's what creates who we are, our experiences create who we are. And, uh, that, and I, I got to know a lot of people, and uh, I had a really fabulous time, a really, really fabulous time. That's good, and I know that you got rave reviews from all of the people at the conferences. People really reacted well to your use of humor, and, and you're just so honest about telling it, and you're not afraid to talk about anything, and you tell your story, and you talk about your struggles and what you've gone through, and I think it's really inspiring for people to see to hear you talk about where you were at a certain point in your life and, and where you're able to be now. Well, and I think it's, it's important, too, for all of us to know that recovery is an ongoing process and also that recovery is possible, period, because I think when I first was diagnosed, my first image was not of someone overcoming or being able to contribute back into life. I had all the really sensational sort of media images of, of what it meant to have mental illness. And so I think that's one reason why I started talking about it was because I was really hungry to talk about it, about, you know, what, what's possible? What does it mean to have a mental illness? And, um, and so, you know, we all come from certain places with our illness. And I think recovery is not just sort of possible for a few people. It's possible for everyone. It, and how we define recovery changes. 
depending on how well we are and also where we are in our lives. Uh, but it certainly makes me feel very... Um, it, it lightens me up every time I can talk about it because I keep... Uh, I keep fresh, uh, and I also, I'm, I always feel like I need to be on my toes. I, it's just sort of like if I sit on my desk too long I'm gonna, and eat, I'm going to gain weight, and if I, if I don't do some of the recovery tools, um, I, I won't continue to be well. And so going to conferences and speaking about it reminds me of that, and uh, I don't take my mental health for granted, or if I do, I, I get a, a swift kick in the butt to remind me that I, oh yeah, yeah, I'm living with this chronic illness, and um, so, and with that being said, it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to hamper me on a daily basis, um, and I see that in other people all the time, uh, which for me is a godsend, because uh like I said, when I first was diagnosed, I didn't uh, see a lot of people that were living full and rich lives, um, partially because I don't think I was talking about it very much, and other people weren't as well, and I wasn't going seeking out help because I was pretty well um, shying away from the whole diagnosis. Wonderful. You definitely embody what it means to live a full life and to work on recovery and wellness. and. You know, you definitely offer hope to people that you can lead a, a good life and it's not something that, you know, you have to let get get at you and get you down in, in no. every day. And and I think it's also important to know that it is a struggle sometimes. It really is. And, and it is, it can feel discouraging and it does take time. And it, I mean, it's easy sometimes when I'm feeling well to see some of the benefits. I do know that this whole process has taught me a lot about patience, an enormous amount about patience, um, also being incredibly gentle with myself, um, although that's something that I still struggle with. Um, and those things, I think, if I hadn't had dealt with um, a severe illness, wouldn't have necessarily come in the same way. Um, so I think that that's the thing, is that it's, uh, it's hard won by anybody. and. Um, and I think that's why it's important to talk with other people because it gives us a chance to realize that strengths are in numbers. And then I, you know, we can go away and, for me anyway, and be interdependent, um, not necessarily independent because that's sometimes on the other side of depression where I'm isolating myself and I go, oh, I'm just being independent. And no, it's not. I'm isolating. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, I mean, I've learned a lot. And it's easy to say when I'm feeling well. Um, but generally speaking, I'm having more I'm having more well days than not, and so and I see that happening more and more. And I just love the focus that DBSA took. It's that it's about recovery. It's not just about treating symptoms or managing um, symptoms. It's about actually recreating our lives after what often is devastating kind of circumstances. Yes, that's definitely what you know the you and the organization fit in well together because the messages are the same. Mm -hmm. Do you have any interesting upcoming projects, anything you're working on as um, 2007? Well, yeah, well, I just premiered my second show called Funny You Don't Look Crazy, and it's about the world of work getting back into um, actually working. So it, it, it's sort of a sister show to what I did at uh, BBSA, uh, Crazy for Life. It still talks about 
realness, accepting it a little bit, but a lot of it is focused on what it was like to be ill and be at work, <laughs> which is not always a good combination. <laughs> and then moving into vocational rehab and then the first work uh, experience placements and things like that. And it's in the same vein where it's still, uh, it's quite funny. I look it back and see how I <laughs> meant well in a lot of ways and didn't really do very good work at times. And, um, and so I'll be starting to tour that. Um, and that's sort of the majority. Uh, a lot of my work is in the States now, so I'm coming down to the States a lot, which I, I really enjoy traveling. And um, so that's probably the biggest thing. We've just finished doing all the rehearsals, and I premiered it in uh, December, and it went over quite well. So hopefully I'll be able to uh, present it sometime soon as well. So. Congratulations, that's wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, it should be good. And if people are interested in learning more about you, how can they find out more about Victoria Maxwell? They can find out if they visit uh, www.victoriamaxwell.com. And, um, and I think one of the other things that we had also talked about was that we had just started uh, producing the DVD of Crazy for Life, and it's out now. And so if people go to the website, uh, you can find out where to uh, order it from. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of new things happening, but uh, www.victoriamaxwell.com. Right. Thank you very much, Victoria, for taking up taking the time to talk with us today and we wish you the best of luck with your new show and hopefully you can continue your great work with DBSA. Oh, I, I certainly hope so. It's uh, been a great partnership and I hope I can continue uh, contributing. It's been wonderful. We do too. Thank you. Thanks. This has been a production of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. For more information, go to www.dbsalliance.org or call 1-800-826-3632. We've been there. We can help.